<coughs> Joshua 24, uh, verse 15. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I want to speak with you this morning uh, at this baptism service on the subject of family worship. Uh, we are, in general, reviewing the way that we provide for children in the church, and a renewal of family worship would be a tremendous blessing right through the church family. Conscious of the fact that uh, we are now officially enter empty nesters, uh, I don't want to confine what I say to those of us who have children at home. Uh, in fact, not even to those of us who are married, because each one of us has a place in the church as a family member. And so what I have to say is of application to every situation, as I'll hopefully make clear as we go on. Now, when you hear that there's going to be a sermon on family worship, uh, that is going to give rise to various reactions in, in people's minds. Some of you who already uh, have family worship at home will feel affirmed, no doubt. But those of you who've never done it or have tried it and grew tired and discouraged are going to be resistant. And you might be tempted to think, well, you know, it wouldn't work in my situation. Your child is too manic or you're too hectic for it to work. There's just no time. You don't know how to do it and so on. So let me just make a little plea at the outset that uh, we, we don't look at the subject with too defeatist an attitude from the outset. As with everything that's worthwhile doing, everything which is going to reap great rewards, what is required is a bit of effort at the beginning in order to establish a lifetime pattern. And so I pray that as we look at this thing, this subject, uh, that we will have a, a can-do attitude, an attitude of faith uh, to obey what is clearly a pattern we find in the Bible. This practice, the practice of, of having worship in the home, historically, was something very important in Scotland. When John Knox was leaving Scotland to go to Geneva, uh, he left uh, a plea to the church uh, back in Scotland. And, you know, when, whenever there's a, a, a juncture in, a, in a, the life of a minister and his people, you know, if it's his last sermon or if he's going away somewhere and he wants to say something, he's going to underline the things that are important, isn't he? Well, this is what Knox said when he was uh, leaving for Geneva. Dear brethren, if you look for a life to come, of necessity it is that you exercise yourselves in the book of the Lord your God. Let no day slip or want some comfort received from the mouth of God. Within your houses, I say, in some cases you are bishops and kings. Your wife, children, servants, and family are your bishopric and charge. Of you it shall be required how carefully and diligently you have instructed them in God's true knowledge, how you have studied to plant virtue in them and to repress vice. And therefore, I say, you must make them partakers in reading, exhorting, and in making common prayers, which I would in every house were used 
once a day at least. Uh, in 1647, the Church of Scotland introduced a, a book, an order of family worship. Uh, so it's laying out a kind of template for families to use at home. And the act of assembly saw it as so important that the elders in congregations were given the responsibility to make careful inquiry that family worship was in fact being practiced uh, in every congregation. Let's move into the, the, the following century and uh, to a, a great hero of mine, Jonathan Edwards. Uh, he's leaving his first charge, Northampton. Again, farewell sermon, speaking about things that are really important. Uh, this is what Edwards says to his people. Every Christian family ought to be, as it were, a little church, consecrated to Christ and wholly influenced and governed by his rules. And family education and order are some of the chief means of grace. If these fail, all other means are likely to prove ineffectual. If these are duly maintained, all the means of grace will be likely to prosper and be successful. Let's look first of all at why family worship is, from a biblical point of view, uh, really important. Uh, it's important because God makes a covenant uh, with us, with his people, and the covenant involves families. Covenant involves families. And the covenant is the background uh, to the two passages which we read together, the passage from Deuteronomy, which talks about instructing children in the context of the Passover, and also the renewing of covenant at Shechem, where Joshua declares that uh, he and his family will certainly serve the Lord. Shechem, actually, uh, is a place which is saturated with covenant associations. Uh, the patriarchs, Abraham and Jacob, had made altars at Shechem between uh, themselves and had covenanted with God and had heard God give his promise of land and of, of, of nationhood. Uh, it was a place where the covenant blessings and curses were to be pronounced. Shechem uh, lies in a valley between Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. And there was this very solemn dramatization of the covenant when six of the tribes had to stand before Mount Ebal and six of them had to stand before Mount Gerizim. And the blessings of the covenant were declared from Mount Gerizim and the curses of the covenant from Mount Ebal. A solemn place. And in Joshua 24, uh, we're at this place associated with covenant and there's a, a covenant renewal and God's blessings are being recited and then there is the, the challenge that goes out to the people to uh, come under the covenant, to take on the obligations of the covenant. And Joshua uh, takes the first step in declaring that regardless of what anybody else will do, uh, he and his family will serve the Lord. They will uh, honour the covenant. Now, it's interesting, isn't it, that Joshua doesn't just answer for himself. He answers for his whole family. That's what's really important about this, this text. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And that's covenant religion, folks. 
That's what the covenant is all about. God embraces families and deals with with representative heads. And Joshua is acting as a representative head here. That's why Abraham was told to circumcise not just himself, he was an old man at the time, but also the male children in his household. And that uh, from that point, all males under at eight days old were to be circumcised. Abraham didn't debate with God. He didn't uh, debate about leaving it until later on. Uh, he didn't suggest that it would be better if they could just make their own mind up. He obeyed as a covenant head, and he put the sign of belonging on himself and on his household. And that's why we continue to baptize households. God still deals in families. God hasn't changed. Uh, The covenant hasn't excluded children where once it included them. Uh, God's ways of dealing with us in covenant remain. But even, you know, where there are no children in a household, it's still appropriate for worship to take place in every home where there are Christians. Uh, Family life isn't defined simply by the presence of children. And, And therefore, couples with no children should read and pray and sing together. And what about those of us who who live alone? There's quite a number of us who who are on our own. There are opportunities, uh, even there, when we have friends who come from from the church family uh, and they're visiting us socially. Uh, Isn't it a wonderful thing on these occasions when we can say, let's have worship together? And it may not be the, the, the person whose home it is who takes the lead. It may be that a Bible's handed to somebody else, but there's worship takes place together. And the lovely thing about that is that it symbolizes in a powerful way that each one of us is a member of the family of God and have a place in the family and therefore benefit from household, family, worship. Let's look uh, now more practically at at implementing family worship. Uh, Whose task is it to take the initiative? Well, if the the father, if the husband in the the family is a believer, then that responsibility falls clearly on your head. There is no dodging, there's no copping out, uh, there's no avoiding responsibility. If the husband uh, is not a a believer, then then the wife uh, has to take a a sensitive lead in uh, in seeing that this happens. What should take place at family worship? What are the components of family worship? Well, very obviously, reading the Bible takes place at family worship. And straight away, you have the practical thought, what what version of the Bible will we read with our children? Because there are umpteen versions of the Bible. And I think it's important to, to... bear in mind the, the capacity of our children. And there are some very good versions which are very simple. Uh, sometimes it's good to begin with uh, you know, a children's Bible, Bible story, where uh, the stories are paraphrased. But the Good News Bible is also a very straightforward version of the Bible. It's also a faithful translation of the Bible. So we read the Bible uh, in ways which the children can understand. There are 
good examples in the scripture of what we now regard in our enlightenment as being uh, cutting-edge educational methods, you know, interaction. That's what's happening in Deuteronomy 6, isn't it? Uh, the, the, the child is primed with the task, ask the question. And this happens in Jewish families uh, today still, that at Passover, uh, one of the children will be tasked with, with uh, I think it's three questions which are asked. And this is good. This is good educational method. And we ought to have interaction. We ought to try and understand. We ought to make sure that the children are understanding what is being read. And so some of the, some of the little booklets that I mentioned earlier are really good for doing that. The Table Talk magazine, for example, it has questions for uh, the family. Um, it's important to have that degree of interaction. It's also a good time to use the catechism. Again, we're not reinventing the wheel. This is a tool that has been used by the church, and especially in Scotland, as a means of ensuring that young people uh, have a grasp of theology. And so we have uh, the children's catechism, which the, the kids are using in Sunday school anyway, and we can use at home. We can check up that, uh, that they're actually understanding what they're learning. But learning is really important. You know, learning by rote, learning word by word is really important. Later years, they're not going to forget what they've memorized when they were young. Uh, so the catechism has an important place. Prayer uh, is a key element of family worship. Now, the head of the family, whoever's taking the lead, uh, can pray, should pray. You know, it's wonderful when the family members take part in prayer. And that was always one of the blessings of, of our home, to hear the children pray and to, to hear them verbalize their requests to God at different stages. And it's still a blessing when, when they come home now uh, to have worship together and to have them all praying to the Lord around the table. It's a real blessing. And when our kids are small, then adults need to make sure that their prayers are simple. Don't weary your children with long and complicated prayers. Keep them simple. Include the concerns of the children. Remember to ask them what is on their mind. Take the requests, the requests that they have seriously. That's when they're acting up, which they may do sometimes. Uh, incorporate these in your prayer time together. And it's good, as we think of ourselves being a church family, it's good to, to bring members of the church uh, into the prayers that we make at home. Uh, I'm hoping that we will uh, put together a little directory of, of the church so that in our homes we can be praying for one another. Uh, that's a task that lies ahead. Singing. Singing uh, can be a great component in family worship, to sing uh, a psalm or a, or a hymn or a, or a scripture chorus. But it's not always easy. And we met with some resistance uh, in our family to singing. And it's probably best not to push it if there's an awkwardness about uh, singing. But if the family's up for it, then it's great to have that as a component in family worship. How long? 
should family worship take? Well, it should be brief. It really should be five or ten minutes. Uh, it's better to, to, to have something which is uh, brief uh, and regular and doesn't, again, weary children so that they are going to enjoy it. And if, if the discussion takes you beyond that, then run with it. Uh, but, as a rule, keep it brief. In fact, flexibility is really important in sustaining family worship. We've not always uh, been good at sustaining it. There have been times when we've had gaps uh, in uh, our family worship. Uh, times when life just became so chaotic that our best intentions were defeated. Uh, it can be difficult at holiday time. And we shouldn't be over-legalistic uh, about family worship. Don't become the family worship Nazi in your family who is determined to put everyone through the ringer in order to maintain the regime. Uh, if you see the, the pattern in Deuteronomy 6, we see that there are times when uh, teaching is more informal. And when we can't keep to the formal place, then we can have the, the, the walk and talk type of instruction. On the other hand, we want to have some kind of regularity, and so picking a good time where the prospects of, of continuing the family worship uh, it's an important decision to make at the outset. Breakfast and uh, evening meal are, are obvious times when the family is As far as our family is concerned, breakfast was going to be a non-starter, and so it was always after the evening meal. Um, and even then, there, there are going to be times when the children are going to drag their feet, uh, where there are... Uh, other things which seem to press in on that allocation. And it's important uh, where it can be reasonably done to, to try to have some discipline uh, in the maintaining of the, the, the place of family worship. Uh, where children are resisting or being reluctant, then it's important for the head of the family to, to govern in some way. Again, this is what Edward says about this. Remember that as you would not have all your instructions and counsels ineffectual, there must be government as well as instructions, which must be maintained with an even hand and steady resolution as a guard to the religion and morals of your family and the support of its good order. Take heed that it not be with any of you as it was with Eli of old, who reproved his children, but restrained them not, and that by this means you do not bring the like curse on your families as he did on his. Let's conclude uh, thinking together some of the, the advantages, some of the real benefits which arise from family worship. First of all, regular family worship sets a spiritual atmosphere in the home. In other words, it becomes less weird to talk about spiritual things in the house where family worship is part of the way we do things. Uh, it's more natural to have conversations uh, about the Bible uh, when we have worship at a regular point. The informal instruction that we have in Deuteronomy 6 isn't 
an alternative to the, the more formal sitting down and reading the Bible together. It's the kind of thing which will flow from the, the regular practice of family worship. If you're having regular Bible reading in the home, it's going to be a lot easier, a lot more natural, a lot more spontaneous for you, your father, to chat with your, your young boy about the Bible on the way to the football match. It becomes part of life. And the regular practice of family worship enables our young people to be good worshippers in the church. We all know that uh, attitudes of, of reverence and respect and quiet don't come <coughs> naturally to children, but they're important. Um, we want our children in church to have a reverent attitude because basically if, if kids are too boisterous in church, it makes it difficult for folk to concentrate. And if folk come and they are spiritually searching, then they can be distracted from hearing the Word of God if children are, are not disciplined and governed in church. But if in our homes we cultivate worship, our children learn to be reverent in church. Thirdly, family worship is a great way of reinforcing uh, preaching that children hear in church. Uh, they're not going to understand what they hear when they're sitting through the, the worship service, at least they're not going to understand a fair bit, but they can be helped to understand more by discussing these things with parents at home. Fourth, it's a great way to evangelize our children. What a powerful thing it is uh, as a child to hear your father praying that you and your siblings will come to know the Lord Jesus as Savior. To know that that is what is on his heart or on your mother's heart. That's a tremendously powerful thing. Churches where family worship and, and the catechism uh, are regular parts of the culture tend to keep their children. You know, in a lot of, kind of generically evangelical churches today, uh, there's a kind of revolving door. Church kids leave the church and youth evangelism brings some in. But the most snazzy, modern methods of youth evangelism will not compensate for the hemorrhaging of children from the church. These are ways of keeping covenant children within the worshipping community. Then lastly, if you're willing to take family worship seriously, if you're willing to give it a go, if you haven't done before, then you will be leaving a wonderful heritage for your children. You know, one of the things, in a more general sense, one of the, one of the things that good parenting does is it leaves happy memories, good memories for children, which they will never lose as they grow up, which will be something of the glue in your relationship with them. Now let me tell you, children are not to recall as a good memory the fact that you bought them off with treats to keep them quiet. 
but they are going to recall with fondness that you gave of yourself to them to show them that Jesus is the saviour they need. I've shared uh, with you often the, the memories that uh, I have of, of my, my father's instruction in the home. Let me share this time a uh, much more eloquent recollection from uh, my favourite missionary, John Payton. This is what John Payton wrote in his autobiography of the impact which family worship had upon him. How much my father's prayers at this time impressed me, I can never explain. Nor could any stranger understand. When on his knees and all of us kneeling around him in family worship, he poured out his whole soul with tears for the conversion of the heathen world to the service of Jesus and for every personal and domestic need, we all felt as, in, as if in the presence of the living Saviour and learned to know and love him as our divine friend. Rick Husband was uh, <coughs> a US Air Force colonel, uh, an astronaut with NASA, and he was the, <coughs> the commander of the space shuttle Columbia and was among the seven astronauts who were killed when the craft disintegrated after re-entry into the Earth's atmosphere. And his wife, Evelyn, uh, wrote a book uh, called High Calling, which is the biography of his life. And she wrote that he had wanted to be an astronaut from the age of four. It was the dream of his life, but she writes that there was something more important to him. More than anything in the world, Rick Husband was a committed a disciple who prized time with his children. And his work sometimes took him away for extended periods of time. But he always managed to find creative ways of bridging the gap that had been caused by time and distance. And you know, on this trip, on this fateful last trip that he made, Rick Husband uh, put together 18 video messages, 18 recorded family worship times for every day he anticipated being away from the family. Now imagine, if you can, how these recordings are valued by the family he left behind. What a heritage to have left behind him. That's what we can leave with family worship. So let me encourage all of us to do what we can uh, to, to have that, that little family altar in our homes, uh, to gather together, either with our own uh, biological family or with other members of, of the church family. Lots of things we can do which are desirable, which will be of benefit. Few things of greater potential for greater good than having regular family worship in the homes of a congregation. Amen. And may God bless to us his meditations on his word. <coughs> We're going to go on to the baptism part, but 
somebody important we need to wait for. <laughs> Actually, while we're waiting, let's sing the first verse of O God of Bethel, and we'll show, sing the remaining verses after uh, we've concluded the service. O God of Bethel, by whose hand thy people still are fed, who through this weary pilgrimage has all our fathers led. Our vows, our prayers we now present before thy throne of grace. God of our fathers, be the God of their succeeding These two verses, uh, and we'll stand and sing. <coughs> I don't know what you call uh, this situation. Friends, we have our authority for baptism from the words of the Lord Jesus, who after his resurrection and victory over death, spoke these words. 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Why do we baptize? We baptize because Jesus has told us to. That is the bottom line. Uh, circumcision in the Old Testament was uh, a sign that spoke of the, the gospel. It spoke of judgment and blessing. Uh, and it was a sign of belonging. And in the New Testament, uh, we have baptism. Uh, and just as circumcision was applied to believers and the children of believers, uh, but just the males, uh, it has now been replaced and widened out to include uh, not only the Jewish people, but also uh, the, the females. God hasn't stopped dealing uh, with us in families. Uh, his word has never told us to stop putting the sign of belonging on the children of believers. And we're glad that his word has not said that, because it is a word of comfort and challenge, a word of comfort and challenge uh, to Chris and Barbara today as they baptize Ossian, because the comfort is that the covenant uh, that baptism speaks of has been kept by the Lord Jesus Christ. He spoke of his death on the cross as being a baptism. I have a baptism uh, to undergo, and how straightened I am until it is accomplished, he said. Uh, it's a challenge because a covenant brings covenant obligations upon us, and uh, I'm going to ask you to, to make your vows before the, the gathered uh, congregation uh, to bring up Ossian in the training and the, the teaching of the Lord. So baptism uh, speaks of, of judgment, just as circumcision spoke of a cutting off. Baptism speaks of the, the judgment of going under the waters. We have that repeatedly in the New Testament when baptism uh, is spoken of in the connection with the Old Testament. Uh, it's also speaking to us of blessing. Uh, as we were uh, talking uh, with, with you kids earlier on, it speaks about the cleansing from sin. Uh, that water is a powerful picture of Jesus' blood cleanses us from sin in a way that nothing else can. And baptism is pointing us forward to trust in Jesus as our covenant head. You know, uh, Barbara and Chris, it's a great, it's a great privilege. Uh, it's a delight for us all to, to be here witnessing uh, your presenting of Ossian uh, for baptism. Uh, you're a precious family to us in, in Hope Church. Uh, Barbara is the little dynamo that keeps so many parts of church life going, whether it's Sunday school or toddlers or Bible club. Uh, Chris, we're so privileged to have your, your musical gifts, uh, especially today, <laughs> brought uh, to bear uh, in the, the public praise of God and to, to have your, your pattern of, of regular 100% commitment uh, to the public worship of God is an example to us all. And so, just as you have uh, nurtured and instructed and been an example uh, to David and Amelie and Mark and Juliet, uh, now we are committing Ossian uh, to the Lord and to your 
careful nurturing in the home. Let's join together in prayer. Let us all pray. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward, like arrows in the hands of a warrior, are the children of one's youth. Heavenly Father, we come with thanksgiving in our hearts that, that you have, in your great mercy, granted the, the lovely gift of Ossian to uh, this family. We thank you for how precious the family are to us. Uh, we thank you for their love of the Lord Jesus and their commitment to, to serve him and to make him known. And we thank you, O Lord, that you are the God who comes and deals with us in families, uh, who uh, calls on household heads to, to take upon themselves responsibility for the, the Christian upbringing of children. We thank you that as we uh, go through all the stories of the, the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, we see the, the heritage of the faith being passed on from one generation to another. And we thank you that though uh, this sacrament of baptism does not confer in any magical or, or superstitious way new life, we thank you that it is a sign of your commitment to us in the covenant. And we pray, Lord, that as a covenant congregation, uh, we will be with Barbara and Chris also as they make their vows before us, and that you will enable us to, to pray for little Ossian and and collectively to, to set an example uh, to her of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we pray for this sacrament now that you have given to us to, to encourage us and to establish our faith. Bless it, Lord, uh, to the family. And in later years, as Ossian reflects on the fact that she is a baptized child, may that stir up lively faith in her heart in the Lord Jesus Christ, who alone can cleanse us from the filth, from the contamination of sin. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you both please stand? Chris and Barbara, do you present uh, your child for baptism, earnestly desiring that she might in God's time know by faith the Lord Jesus and share in the blessings represented in baptism. Do you believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? And do you confess Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Saviour? And then lastly, do you promise in dependence on God's promised help by your prayers, by your teaching in the home, and by your example to bring up your child in the love and the discipline of the Lord? Devotee, 
I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Join in prayer to God. Our Heavenly Father, we, we give thanks for uh, little Ossian and we thank you for the covenant sign uh, by which she is claimed to be Christ's. We ask, Lord, for your rich blessing to be upon Chris and Barbara as they bring up Ossian in the home. Uh, we pray that from very earliest years her heart will be softened by the gospel, that she will understand that Jesus is the Saviour suited to her needs and will trust in him with all her heart. Grant, Lord, that she might grow up to be a good soldier of the cross, to witness for the Lord Jesus Christ, to serve him and to be a blessing to others. And may this home, Lord, uh, this home uh, be a place of, of rich encouragement for all who come into it. Uh, may all who enter this home find there that the Lord Jesus Christ is present. Be with us, all oh Lord, as we on this day uh, remind ourselves of baptism vows or remind ourselves of the knowledge that, that we are under, are under obligation to trust in Jesus who has figured so powerfully uh, in the sign of belonging. Grant, Lord, that we will stand with Chris and Barbara and pray for and care for Ossian as she grows up in our church family. All these things we ask in Jesus' precious name. Let's stand out and, and sing. We'll, st we'll sing from the beginning, O God of Bethel, by whose hand. O God of Bethel, by whose hand thy people still are fed.
may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest upon you now and forevermore. Amen.